Welcome to Newcastle Libraries Real. Newcastle Libraries can be accessed from wherever you live with the Newcastle Library app. Put borrowing at your fingertips. I invite you to close your eyes and imagine. Imagine that there are no buildings, no roads, no cars, just the trees, plants, animals and the very first storytellers of this land, the Awabakal and Waramai people. So I acknowledge them as the traditional custodians of this beautiful land in which we live. Welcome to Newcastle Libraries, your summer stories. Welcome to your summer stories for 2022-23, brought to you by the Library Lounge and Newcastle Libraries. Once again, we have seven fabulous new Australian books for you to enjoy over the summer. This summer's books are Chris Hammer, The Tilt, Kirsty Manning, The Paris Mystery, Peggy Frew, Wildflowers, Flo McDonald, Broad River Station, Holly Throsby, Clark, Gary Disher, Day's End, and Heather Rose, Nothing Bad Ever Happens Here. Sky, Karen and I have been catching up with all these great titles to help you choose where to start your summer reading journey. Let's start with Clark. Mm-hmm. On a hot morning in 1991 in the regional town of Clark, Barney Clark, no relation, is woken by the unexpected arrival of many policemen. They're going to search his backyard for the body of a missing woman. Next door, Leonie Wallace and Little Joe watch the police cars through their kitchen window. Leonie's been waiting for this day for six years. She's certain that her friend, Ginny Lawson, is buried in that backyard under a slab of suspicious concrete. But the fate of Ginny Lawson is not the only mystery in Clark. Barney lives alone in a rented house with a ring on his finger. But where's Barney's wife? Leonie lives with four-year-old Joe, but where's Joe's mother? Clark is a story of family and violence, of identity and longing, of unlikely connections and the comedy of everyday life. At its centre stands Leonie Wallace, a travel agent who's never travelled, a warm woman full of love and hope and grief who must steer Joe safely through a very strange time indeed. I haven't yet read Clark, but I will be very soon because I'll be lucky enough to interview Holly for the podcast series. I loved Cedar Valley and I think it was Goodwood was the other books that she's written. You two are both looking at me very blankly. I haven't read any Holly Tosby, but she's on my list this summer. Yeah. Well, well, this one sounds fabulous. I really love the sound of a character, uh, the travel agent who's never never travelled. I think that's a fabulous starting point. I think that was the thing with the other books that I particularly enjoyed and what made me want to read this one was the way she does characters. You really invest. Mm. She's... She makes people, even that are behaving maybe a little bit yuckily, <laughs> she, she makes you like them. She shows you they're good in equal measure. Mm. Yeah, mm. and so, I can't wait. Mm. It's interesting, isn't it, that whole the compassionate writer, which, you know, I'll cover a bit later with Peggy Frew mm. as well. Oh, great. Okay, Clark's on the list. Yep. And now... Karen? Uh, Well, Nothing Bad Ever Happens Here, Heather Rose. This is a deeply personal collection. It's a memoir filled with uh, reflections on love, death, creativity and healing from the award-winning author of Bruni and the Museum of Modern Love. After a shocking family tragedy transforms Heather Rose's Tasmanian childhood, she becomes a seeker of life and all its mysteries. Heather has spent a lifetime testing boundaries and exploring the connections between love and death, the natural world and the body. Her questing spirit and her strong affinity with nature have inspired and driven her throughout her life. 
and deeply sustained her in times of darkness. Her words will bring wonder, light and comfort to all who read this astonishing book. And it really is an extraordinary memoir. Um, Pat was raving about it before she gave it to me. I wouldn't give it to her. I wouldn't give it to her because (laughs) I had to go home and read it on my own. I couldn't finish it quickly in the tea room. Yeah, it is the sort of book where you want to have time to reflect as you're reading it. It's so beautifully written. I I love this one. Um, And it's not just a case of Heather Rose having travelled extensively in all directions of the compass, but also beyond to other planes. I know that sounds really (laughs) Um, But she has experiences that take her out of body as well as witnessing the inexplicable. So, yeah, it really piques the interest of, um, well, I pique my interest anyway. From a young age, Heather Rose has journeyed throughout her life with a huge curiosity and a hunger to answer all the the invitations that are presented to her and experience it all. I'm just going to read you something from the book. Here's a quote. When death takes my hand, I want to know I have lived with every sense and awareness, applied every power in me to live wholly and fully. I want to take this great gift of life and run as far as I can in my unevolved state. Like she's really passionate about life and every every ounce of it. If you're interested in exploring whether there's more to life than what we see, if you're passionate about celebrating the beauty of the natural environment, if you're intrigued by other people's journeys to self-discovery, then be sure to include this on your summer reading list. And she also writes, sorry, I have to, I'm raving a bit. She also writes a searingly honest description about her experience of chronic illness. And she also writes about the role writing plays in her life. So lots, absolutely heaps of big themes are covered in, in this book. In this book, I would just finish by saying Heather Rose is definitely one of those people I would want at my dinner table. And you'll have her at the microphone. Oh, yes. For, yes. It's part of our podcast series. So yep. Karen will be fanning on Heather. Oh, this is a bit scary. <laughs> it does, poor Heather. Okay, how do I follow that up? I follow it up with Australia is probably one of the the, if not the most uh, popular Australian crime author, the lovely Gary Disher, with his uh, new book Day's End, which is the fourth book of the Paul Hirchhausen series. It's early spring and Senior Constable Paul Hirchhausen, or Hirch, is kept busy with his twin roles, Law Upholder and Welfare Worker, which currently includes escorting Dr Jane Van Sant and the mother of a missing Belgian backpacker, Willie Van Sant, around his last known locations. She's unconvinced by the story his last employers tell. A detour on their return to Tiverton involves a body in a burning suitcase, not Willie's, his mother confirms, requiring homicide squad involvement on top of the necessary follow-up on the backpacker and a visit to a recently arrived family steeped in criminal culture. They're real charmers, that family. And so ends another week as sole cop in a small South Australian rural town. Before the month is out, Hirsch has dealt with racist and slanderous graffiti, online bullying, neighbourhood harassment, an internet home rental scam, the sharing of racist and elder abuse videos, an assault on a local school teacher, and encounters with what he terms COVID morons, and lots more, just a typical month in a small town. Disher is a master of descriptive prose and expertly conveys the atmosphere and attitude of the rural town. Amid a glut of flawed heroes, Hirsch is a refreshing protagonist protagonist comfortable in his own skin not perfect but certainly principled not battling drugs or alcohol not tempted by illegal or immoral activity an essentially tireless cop exuding integrity dedicated to enforcement and protection tempered with the judgment calls essential in rural policing each additional dose of Hirsch makes him more likable I can't wait for number five I just love this character and he's evolved 
as the small town cop. Mm. He moved there four books ago as a city cop with issues. And, uh, yeah, he and his relationships he has with the people in the town, they're really beautiful. But the, the mysteries that Gary Disher weaves into that are fantastic. Mm. I think he's yeah. a master of yeah. that. He yeah. really is. You can't pick where he's going to go. Mm. The way, again, I know I'm saying the same things, but <laughs> <laughs> the way that he does characters is really, really special. Mm. I think particularly in crime writing mm. compared to what a lot of other crime writers are doing, I think Gary Disher's his his sparse in his language yes. he's careful with his words and it was just fantastic to see him in person when we went oh, together yes. and he's big in germany like the hof <laughs> <laughs> wow. so i can't wait to read that one either yeah, but you'll, also you'll interesting love it. that it incorporates the whole covid experience as well so yes yes yeah. it's set in uh, 2020 so there are the covid morons as he refers to and mm. it's really interesting in the the mix of people it brings to that town and the mm. way that they're reacting to mask wearing and conspiracy theories and, yeah. So there's that other element to just a straight body in a suitcase. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah. it's easy, an interesting thing to see as mm. authors are exploring the COVID experience mm. as these books are starting to come out. Mm. We're starting to see a lot more of how it, you know, what we saw was very much the urban experience. Mm but now we are starting to see what it, yeah. how it played out in smaller towns. Mm. Welcome to Newcastle Library's Your Summer Stories. Seven sizzling reads picked especially for you. Which brings us to Broad River Station. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, in rural South Australia, Mia, a newly graduated constable, on her first post is assigned to Broad River, a small country town. And as certain as she is about her ability to do the job, on day one she's already in conflict with the colleagues who believe that women shouldn't be coppers. Oh, give me a break. I know. Really? <laughs> I know. I just, I just like we're still there. Really? It takes the shine off coming home where her grandmother Clara is in the early stages of dementia. Clara's in a nursing home living between her present and the miscovered past of her life as dementia slowly steals her memories. Mia's accustomed to their conversations, often not quite making sense. But when Clara hints of veiled family secrets, Mia isn't sure what she should believe. In the midst of all this, a local child goes missing and Mia is confined to barracks. When Detective Dave Burrows realises she has skills that could be put to use, Mia's career takes a new turn and she must decide down which road to walk. Broad River Station is Flo McDonald's 20th which is quite an achievement Mm -hmm. and the first one I've read so I've just discovered a whole lot about Fleur McDonald because I will be speaking to her (laughs) and she's really invested in strong female characters Fleur's own experience has led to her putting together um, a website called DV Assist Mm. for domestic violence assistance particularly aimed at women in rural areas where your supports are a long way away her whole life has been rural she does the whole farm thing she became a jillaroo i'm going to use all the wrong words (laughs) that's all right you can you can check it out with her when you have your conversation i'm sure she will she will maybe we should have spoken first (laughs) (laughs) there was so much in this there was a term that just really struck me acre chaser have you guys heard that? No. What is it? So mm. that tell us, city slickers. <laughs> tell us. <laughs> it refers to, and this was more from the podcast that I listened to mm. from Fleur. She's really involved in this rural women's network. There's heaps to learn about mm. 
things I knew nothing about. But the term acre chaser refers to women that go to work on stations mm. and it's women using it against other women to say, oh, you're not really here to work. You're here to find yourself some oh, acres husband. and a fella. Oh. Good Lord. Yeah, yeah. So it's a whole world of things that I didn't know about. But it's interesting, <laughs> isn't it, when you, you know, when you first started reading it, and I groaned about the um, women shouldn't be coppers. But uh, I know we were discussing earlier that that – at that sort of culture. The fact that there's a different pace, perhaps, in the country, that things do go... That the misogynist culture exists. Persists. Oh, yeah, I know. Well, it does persist. It, it, and that's that's part of the persist. thing that you really read mm-hmm. with this too. Like, it's the CWA ladies that come through with some food when the search is going mm-hmm. on. And mm-hmm. there's still very much that kind of stamped-in gender roles. Yeah, mm. and yet that's when you see how strong they are as well. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And that was in, in doing some research in advance of speaking to Fleur. I, one of the podcasts I was listening to, she was saying, you know, the CWA's done really great stuff, but it doesn't actually just need to be women anymore. Mm. Um, things mm. have changed and it, the work of the CWA is essential, but it shouldn't really be any different to the volunteer firefighters or the SES mm. where mm. anybody can come along and contribute to their communities. Welcome to Newcastle Libraries, your summer stories. Read, relax and join the conversation. So on to Wildflowers by Peggy Frew. Meg and Nina have been outshone by their younger sister Amber since childhood. They have become used to living on the margins of their parents' interest, used to others turning away from them and towards charismatic Amber. But Amber's life has not gone the way they all thought it would, and now the three of them are together for the first time in years on the road to a remote holiday rental in far north Queensland, very far, might I add, where Meg and Nina plan on helping Amber overcome her addiction. As good intentions gradually become terrifying reality, these sisters will test the limits of love and the line between care and control. Peggy Frew is a consummate observer of human frailty and fragile love. And in Wildflowers, she has created a riveting, compassionate and affecting novel that is impossible to put down and even harder to forget. Now, it's actually told through Nina's perspective. And even though it says, that, you know, it's a journey up north, that's that's part it's a of it. It's a small part of it, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It's more Nina's um, sort of unpacking of the family dynamic and her part in it. And it's, you know, Nina... It, pretty much explores her own PTSD as a result of living in that family. It is through Nina's perspective that her family's dynamics are unravelled as well as the impact of Amber's addiction and related behaviour and the effect it has on each of them. And here's a little quote from the book I'm just going to share with you. It was about Amber, as almost everything in the life of the Atkins family came to be, but Amber herself was not present for it. That was how it worked, Amber's addiction, its evil skill. It was everywhere, but she herself, the real her, was hardly anywhere, and maybe even nowhere. Fru paints a portrait of Nina as wounded and fractured, and for most of the novel, Nina is hopelessly lost. Mm. We learn the ways in which each member of the Atkins family is broken, and um, Fru doesn't set out to judge any of them. She presents them to us with all their frailties. Which makes them sometimes not easy to like. 
Yeah. 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 Mm. Well, it's interesting that whole <clears throat> notion of where you come in the family and, and the three girls are very distinct in that. So Meg is the responsible one, but it's become bitter and angry. Uh, Nina is forgetful. She's pretty much become flaky and ungrounded, mostly lost. Amber's flamboyant and wild and addicted. But somehow, like wildflowers, <laughs> these girls manage to survive and we hope thrive. And in fact, Peggy Frew does leave us on a note of, of hope, which you need after reading this book because it's, yeah. it's pretty intense. So it comes with a bit of a, a warning on that front, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Sounds heavy. Is but it, it's, is it a but summary? It's not, it's not. It is a summary. It's not. It sounds heavy, but it's re- re- really readable, isn't it? It's, it is readable. It's a, I thought I've read it in a day. Yeah. I, yeah, I, it was a. Was a quick read, but it's there's a lot of depth to it. If that makes sense, yeah. What it's got a light touch. I've completely forgotten what her last novel was before this one. Uh, Hope Farm was it, Hope or Farm. the Islands? Uh, the, the Islands. islands. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I yep. read Hope Farm. I don't think I've read the Islands. Mm. Mm. It's not heavy and depressing. Parts by any of it. Means. Parts, parts of it are pretty it, dark. Parts of it are pretty dark. And yeah. yeah, but they're very yeah specific. I well easily identified. Well, not identical. They're very clear characters. You just got to read it. Got to read I it. suppose so. Yeah. <laughs> and another book you have to read this summer mm-hmm. will take you right away from North Queensland to Paris mm-hmm. in the Paris Mystery by Kirsty Manning. Uh, Australian journalist Charlie, Charlotte James, is in the process of undergoing a divorce when she scores a position at the Times in Paris. The year is 1938. Regardless of war threats on the horizon, the upper social set is blithely carrying on as though they don't have a care in the world. On Solstice Eve, Lady Ashworth hosts an elaborate party peopled with jazz bands, circus performers and burlesque dancers. Charlie hopes that through Lady Ashworth she will make contacts to help her in a new job, including the Duke and Duchess of Windsor who are in exile in Paris after the abdication. Mm-hmm. And they are at the party, so we get a little glimpse of some real historical characters, which is something that Kirsty does in her books mm-hmm. generally. But the lively party mood is violently disrupted by a murder. The body is discovered in the garden and a woman holding the knife is taken in for questioning by Inspector... Could you pronounce it, please, Karen? Benoit Bernard. <laughs> <laughs> that's how the woman pronounced it when because I, I listened to the yeah. audio book and that's spot on. But there is one more likely suspect. The stunning cover really sets the scene for this novel. Lush with the description of the Paris scene, fashion and the exotic, it is an entertaining read as several red herrings are presented. Readers will have fun trying to guess the murderer. And they'll have fun loving the gorgeous descriptions of the fashion of, of the day. Fabulous. Yeah, Charlie's a really interesting and strong character. And in a, a lot of Kirsty's books, there's not necessarily a murder, but there are these strong female characters. She's a bit of a Phryne Fisher, mm. if you're a fan of Phryne. Which sounds like a, to mm. me, mm. You know, as opposed to the point that mm. I made before <laughs> about <laughs> well, flowers being a little bit too serious. This sounds like a really great, fun, easy page turner for reading on the beach. Yeah, definitely. I listened to it on a long road trip and, yeah, it was nice and easy to listen. I could still concentrate on the road. I I'm still so. alive. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I like the no. idea of escaping to another city you know, oh, another, yeah. and another period another of time. time and especially if it's really well evolved. Yeah. Oh, and the glamour. Everybody oh, loves the glamour. glamour. These, these parties with the, you know, the fire eaters and... Bears and oh, fabulous! Know, we love a bougie lifestyle. <laughs> Have you read any of the um, Solari Gentil 
uh, Rolly Sinclair Mysteries. No, I haven't. Set in the 20s. Yeah, because they do this beautiful job of atmosphere. Mm. There's heaps of them, so if you find one you like, Mm. I think there's about 13. Your summer stories are available anytime, anywhere. Just download the Newcastle Libraries app and access your summer stories plus thousands just like them today. Moving on to to Chris Hammer. Oh, yes, last but not least. So we've got another (laughs) newly minted detective, this time in Homicide. Nell Buchanan returning to her hometown, annoyed at being assigned a decade old murder. But this is no ordinary cold case as the discovery of more bodies triggers a chain of escalating events in the present day. As Nell starts to join the pieces together, she begins to question how well she truly knows those closest to her. Could her own family be implicated in the crimes? The nearer Nell comes to uncovering the secrets of the past, the more dangerous the present becomes for her as she battles shadowy assailants and sinister forces. Can she survive this harrowing investigation and what price will she have to pay for the truth? This gripping and atmospheric novel is the latest by the acclaimed and award-winning author of the international bestsellers Scrublands, Silver, Trust and Treasure in Dirt. Was Nell in Treasure in Dirt? Yes, she was. That was her – she was a – just a normal uniform copper there, and yeah. she's been promoted and moved south. I think this is my favourite of Chris Hammer's books, which mm. is a big, a big call. I know, mm. but because I grew up in a town on the Murray, not too far from where this is set, and I grew up there in the seventies. So this book, as you know, travels between present time and the seventies, and the memories of the the music and the cars and the oh, being at high school in the 70s that this evokes there aren't any murders there weren't any murders when I was there not that I'm aware of but yeah <laughs> so that might have added a little personal touch to oh, it but it, yeah. it's yeah. it's Chris Hammer I mean yeah. you can't not like it no. everything about the way he writes is brilliant and I know I said that with Gary Disher as well but even though they're two writers authors that are writing very much in the same genre, they're writing very different yes. novels um, and they're really, really, really good. Chris Hammer really knows how to keep you going. He's kind of, you know, everyone's having tasty sandwiches for tea <laughs> sort of author. <laughs> well, you you got to keep turning the pages. Karen really needs to oh, get us. Come on, confess, but, but Karen, I have confess. To confess. <laughs> I have to confess. I have never read. I'm probably one of the very, very small minority of Newcastle uh, people <laughs> who uh, have never read a Chris Hammer book. So I'm um, not sure why we even asked you to be here today, I know, Karen. I know, I know. I should be out there wearing a big sort of placard yeah. on my That's yeah, right, some shame, sort of sandwich shame. board. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So but tell me, is this the Chris Hammer book I must be, you know, introduced to or should I read mm. Treasure and Dirt first if I've got a – do I need to know? No, 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 no. It's not They're a series all, No, not a series. Sense. Any of Chris's books you could read, pick up and read on its own. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd start with Scraplands. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you know what? I tried to get one the other day and it was completely – Taken out. Every one of our copies was borrowed. And we've got a lot of copies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we've bought additional me. copies over the years since that one came mm. out. It's it's never stops being popular. Okay, I've got okay. I've got double summer reading now. Right. <laughs> I've got to catch up. <laughs> okay, that's been lots of fun. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget you can find reviews of all of these books and more in the library lounge on the library website. All of the titles are available for loan from Newcastle Libraries, and we also have e copies of every title. Happy reading. Thanks for listening to Your Summer Stories from Newcastle Libraries. Why not take a dip and a sip, then rate and review us wherever you listen.
This has been a Newcastle Libraries Real Production. 